Welcome to episode 26 of How to Be a Steminist. Today, I'll be interviewing Mimi Kashani, who is the VP of Operations at deep tech company Hadian Supercomputing. She is bound to inspire you with the passion and love that she has for science and tech. So listen in. This is the How to Be a Steminist podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany, a proud woman in STEM. To me, being a STEMinist means creating a wildly fulfilling career without compromising your family or social life. Because when you love your whole life, you become a living example that a career in STEM is where it's at. I'm on a mission to equip women in STEM around the world with strategies to take back control of their career progression, navigate those difficult and awkward gender equality issues, and stop balancing work with life and start enjoying it. If you want to learn all the things no one else teaches you about being a woman in STEM, you've come to the right place. Let's get stuck in. As I mentioned before, Mimi is the VP of Operations at Hadian Supercomputing, where she oversees and supports countless projects across the company and drives their work in life sciences, including a partnership with the Francis Crick Institute. This partnership, which initially focused on protein-to-protein interactions, was extended to model the transmission of COVID-19 between humans and as well as within the human lungs. Mimi previously held project management positions at various science software startups and studied nanoscience at UCL and the University of Cambridge, working with Nokia on graphene-based flexible electronics for her thesis. The thing I most took away from my chat with Mimi was that she got to where she was today by simply following what she loves doing and what she's passionate about. And you can see from hearing her story of how she actually got into STEM in the first place that she always loved science and she always loved maths and STEM. So she just followed what she liked. This is so common with most successful people. They do what they're good at. And in her various positions, when Mimi found out she didn't like doing something or there was something that was bugging her, she just did something about it instead of wallowing in sorrow that she didn't like something. Mimi also mentions that she didn't necessarily have all the steps towards her career plan all mapped out before she went towards her job as a VP. She really just took it step by step and followed what she enjoyed doing and sought out roles where she could do stuff that excited her. So for all of you who are thinking, I need to figure out all my career steps right now, you don't have to. And Mimi's going to show you how she has figured out her career plan, just taking it step by step. I'm really excited to be sharing this interview with you. So without further ado, here is Mimi. Hi, Mimi. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. How are you doing today? Hello there. I'm, I'm very well. Thank you, Tiff. Uh, thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. So what I like to do with most of my guests is if they are a woman in STEM, which you definitely are, I love to find out a bit about how they entered the STEM 
you know, st uh, study or workplace in the first place. So what was your journey into studying science at university? So I, I was born and brought up in the UK. So we have a system here where you choose uh, your A-levels, so the, the things that you study from the ages of 16 to 18 at sixth form, um, very early on, you specialise by the time you're 15. So I did A-levels in chemistry, physics and maths, and further maths. So I was basically a STEM person from the age of 16. Uh, and then because of that, I went on to obviously study a STEM degree, I did natural sciences, um, and I loved making things. So that's why I did from the material side of that. I guess, why did I choose those subjects in the first place? I think I just really liked maths. Yeah. And I didn't really like writing. So it was a way of just <laughs> continuing to do lots of maths and no writing. Oh my goodness, that's like the same as me. That's how I chose. So I grew up in Australia, so it's a little bit different there. Um, you don't, well, I guess you kind of do have to start choosing your end of school subjects by the time you're 16. And then when you're 18, you go into university. But um, yeah, I definitely chose engineering because I didn't want to read and write too much. <laughs> But yeah, so totally relate to you there. Did you have any, um, I guess growing up, did you have any influence from your family or role models as you were growing up who did STEM as a job? I don't think I did, actually. Um, my, I think the maths came from my dad, who has always been a fan of maths. And um, my parents were divorced, so I used to visit my dad on Saturday and he'd have sent me maths questions to have ready to prepare and go through with them. Now I look back on this, that's obviously insane, um, but yeah. I thought that was completely normal and it's probably why I quite enjoyed doing maths. I've got a few uh, aunts and uncles who are doctors, my grandfather's a doctor, but actually no, it, it, there's no one who is a, say, a scientist or an engineer in my immediate family. I think I sort of said earlier, I really just loved making things. I like crafting, I like knitting and sewing as well. And I felt like, at least chemistry and, and materials was my way of continuing to be use my hands and make things um, and do what else I also like which is maths and not do any writing and it just all kind of came together. Uh, I was lucky actually I think growing up in London you're surrounded by museums and institutions that there's constantly events and uh, you know into an ordinary state school or kind of supported to go on trips and uh, interesting places so I worked in the Natural History Museum and insects. Wow that's incredible. It was, it was good I did, didn't end up specializing in it because I didn't like handling them that much. I didn't like killing them all that was a big problem you had to go and oh. collect them all, kill them all. Where did yeah. you go to find them all? <laughs> oh so this particular project it was studying um, the flora and fauna of the UK it was some longitudinal study where they were getting samples for every summer for 10 years and by getting samples literally means going to the forest and throwing down a meter by meter square and killing everything inside oh it and God. taking it back to study. So, and, and just to see kind of what the biodiversity is like. So it's a good cause. Uh, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. I, I've just never even thought about that. That was someone's job to go and collect. Yeah. So the, like the natural history museum is a really interesting place in, in London. So about a third of it is the thing that you, the place you can visit two thirds of it so it's working laboratories and it's tons of scientists and PhD students coming together to try and investigate the natural world and and it's those things like that that I think piqued my interest and I, you know I remember going to Imperial to do an engineering project where we built 
a clock for Mars. I remember going and learning about forensics at Queen Mary's. So I was, I was quite lucky to be surrounded by this, by these just wonderful places that I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Wow, that's incredible. And I guess, you know, I, yes, it's luck that you grew up in London and you had all of this stuff around you, but I'm sure you had to make a lot of those opportunities happen. They didn't just drop into your lap, right? I, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I probably have these rose into view looking back. I think I like to say yes to opportunities when something happens and because you just don't know what will, what will happen next. I, I, that's something I actually live by in my personal and professional life is this someone suggests something say yes first um and, and just see what happens I love that that's such a great way to live I think um you know when you don't close yourself off to any opportunities you get to experience so much more and sometimes you find out that you don't like stuff which is also fine exactly yeah all knowledge is good <laughs> yeah I loved what you said earlier on about how you ended up choosing sciences at school because that was your way of being creative. I just know that there's this stereotype out there for some reason that STEM is where creativity goes to die, like engineers aren't creative and that's why they became engineers, but it's totally untrue. And it's totally, totally untrue. The, um, I've actually was just speaking to an amazing researcher at King's and we were talking about you know making computational tools for scientists and what they can get the best out of them and you know like all good products if you make them easy to use people are going to enjoy them but we were kind of saying actually the way that science progresses is people having fun and playing around with ideas and maybe those ideas will come to something and you get a breakthrough Um, but if it's and you create a tool that's really hard to use and boring no one's going to try it no one's going to play with it it's not going to help things progress uh, but yeah, at its core, a lot of this blue skies research is just playing and creative. Yeah. I love that. That's such a good reminder. Okay, so you did a lot of science at school and university, but I know you now have a very successful tech career. So I'd love to know how did you transition from studying science to working in tech? So yeah, I, I was going to do a PhD, save the world, create materials that made people's lives better and I mean I still may do but what I realized when I started uh, doing research is that at least in my field I was spending the majority of my day just washing up and because I was working with nanomaterials so that those are like sort of a nanometer is a billionth of a meter right really really small things but an interesting characteristic of a nanoparticle is that it's very electrostatic on the whole they've got all surface um, and, and little volume and this means they just stick to everything so I was literally spending my entire day trying to scrub particles out of benches that were smaller than the grooves of the table. So really, there's no way that they're ever coming out. And I realized that this wasn't for me. Um, and I, I, this is another kind of, I, I think I was lucky because I was in Cambridge and Cambridge has this wonderful uh, kind of passion for startups and entrepreneurship. So I felt like I'd had my kind of eyes opened to the world of of tech and its possibilities and I realized that actually if you make things in software you can create and, and have a product in somebody's hands in a matter of hours um, yeah it's completely different to science right that way you're talking years to get something made factory lines you know processing plants and then you know, may, maybe one day someone might use the thing you're making 
and I just love that. And and this was thirty years ago, where you know the ubiquity of software and coding, and we hadn't really caught on yet. And and so I thought, like, okay, maybe I should learn to code. Maybe that's what I should do next. So I started kind of building my tech fluency, and I would never say that I ever worked as a software engineer, but I sort of began to understand the concepts. I can make little things here and there. And what I realized was that the thing that I love the most was saying, how do these products um, get used? How, how does somebody find value from it? And mm. there's a, actually a job like that that exists, which I didn't know about at the time, called product management. And I realized that was my, my sweet spot. So from science, realized that uh, washing up wasn't for me. <laughs> Software was much quicker. Moved into tech startups, learned about the world of product, and I was stuck. And, you know, a couple of startups later, I found myself at Hadian, which is where I am now. Uh, I still work quite closely with product and engineering, but my role is transform. I'm actually running the operations team, uh, which is because it's a deep tech startup, you are working on really like, low level systems, like right on the, the metal, as you'd say, in the back end of service. Um, I um, have this very kind of cross functional lens across the whole business. And I really, really enjoy that. That's, oh my goodness, that's incredible. I just love, <laughs> I love that, um, you know, just the pain of having to wash up has taken you onto this incredible journey into being a VP now at Hadian. And, you know, so, sometimes it just takes something like that to turn our attention to something that is an opportunity elsewhere and you realise that you love it. I think that's such a good reminder for people who feel like they've got to plan every single step of their whole careers as soon as they come out of university or as soon as they finish studying something. It just doesn't work that way. And as you said, sometimes these roles didn't exist when you were in university. So you can't actually plan it all out. You just have to go with what excites you at the time. And you realize at the time, scrubbing nanoparticles out of uh, tables <laughs> wasn't your thing um, and now you're in this incredible career where you're changing the world and doing all this stuff with product that you didn't even know about when you were studying so can you please tell us a little bit more about Hadian Computing and what you do there? Hadian we're a deep tech startup based in London and we've created a platform for distributed computing it's the Hadian platform you can think of it a bit like an operating system designed to use more than one machine at the same time. Think of the cloud as one big computer. Well, that's what Hadian allows you to think of the cloud as one big computer. And on top of that platform, we've built a number of applications. And our cardinal application is a spatial simulation engine called Ether Engine. And that's used in gaming, with the likes of Minecraft. It's used for hosting virtual events. It's used for scenario planning with governments and epidemiologists. It's also used in the life sciences, which is you know, part of my baby. I run the life sciences projects where we're, uh, in particular this year, running COVID simulations both in the body. So as COVID uh, transmits around the lungs and the immune system tries to fight it off, uh, and COVID in populations as it spreads across these massive populations like the UK, 66 million people moving between home and work and simulating local lockdowns. It's a product that spans many industries, which I love. I'm feel really privileged to be able to kind of go across so many different things that I find interesting and, and something that's so impactful to so many different areas. A typical day for me is, and well, there's no typical day, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, was, I was expecting that. 
So I, I, I have a great team. Um, we normally have a stand up in the morning where we talk about the different initiatives that we're working on because our operations are sort of plumbing of the business. That could be anything from helping product and engineering uh, with a new release process and, and fixing tools and systems there, uh, running the due diligence process for our impending fundraise with our CEO Craig, or helping to hire um, and retain our brilliant team with our people function. Uh, and that's just a, some of the activities I might do in a single day, uh, but really no two days are the same. And that's another thing that I just love. I'm constantly learning. Oh, that's amazing. Did you always think that you wanted to become a VP at some stage? Was that something you were always looking towards in your career goal? I wouldn't say that it was a goal per se, but I would say that I'm someone who's keen to understand how to build a business. And as I kept kind of choosing roles and, and jumping at opportunities that let me continue building this knowledge base, it sort of became a natural fit. And so I'd love to kind of take this knowledge on and be able to run my own business in whatever guise or role that takes. And at Hadian, this it just felt like the right fit because it's that very cross-functional lens, that plumbing of the whole business and it being a deep tech company or right? it's a difficult thing to understand sometimes and so having that product background I find really helps me in this current role but I, I still love product and I still love getting involved with the way that I, I use as a use in the product and so I don't know if it you know even this is my end goal at Hagen maybe I'll yeah. explore other things. Yeah I think that's an important distinction that you've made there that you just followed what you were passionate about and what you found interesting rather than looking towards a title that you really wanted to get one day. I think so yeah, titles are these that they're really important when you're looking for your next job. But I think they're definitely not something to worry about when you're somewhere that you're happy working. And I think it, people get caught up and, and saying, oh you know, what's my title going to be? Because they perceive it to come with a certain amount of power or influence or responsibilities. And actually, I think just focus on doing your job really well. That will get recognized. And in a startup, it's all to play for. So, the, and, and actually titles change. And just because you were the right fit for a particular title at one company lifecycle stage, as the company grows, and hopefully it will, because you're taking advantage of the opportunities in front of you, you may not be the right person in that title in the next stage. And that's okay as well, because in theory, things have got better and there's more opportunity around. And so I think being really cognizant about what you can and can't do yet mm -hmm. and without kind of being too tied to a particular role or title because that's what you think you should be, I'd always, um, it's, it's kind of something I'd recommend anyone who's listening because it's just, it shouldn't really matter. That's amazing advice. Totally agree with that. Now you're obviously one of very few women in senior leadership positions in tech firms. Why do you think it is that there are so few women at the top in tech? It's a great question because it, it, it's crazy that it's still like this and it yeah. really is. There are actually just very few women around both in tech generally and uh, in leadership positions. There is something to be said for there being a pipeline problem. There aren't enough women studying STEM and then applying for STEM careers. And we certainly don't have enough women applying for jobs that we're putting out. And you know, I didn't 
we're actually hiring at the moment so please do get in touch if you're a great woman who wants to work with an interesting company and you know in some ways there's more we could always be doing as well i'm conscious that you know it's the way you write job descriptions it's the way that you publicize them you know women tend to be found in different mediums to men we have to do better in terms of where we're trying to source our candidates from but look at the universities right look at the the schools fewer women are studying STEM subjects. Um, so we have to do something earlier on to keep girls interested, show yes. them that it's creative and sociable and really fun and can lead to a great career. Uh, and it continues to be really fun. There are women around. So why are so few of them reaching leadership positions? And that's something I'm afraid I don't have a good answer on. It's mm. something I'm, I'm looking at and I'm also curious about. There is a lot of research to say that quotas do work. And actually, one of the negative uh, comments against quotas, they say, oh, they promote women who perhaps weren't right for that role. They, they shouldn't be at that stage of this there because of the quota. Actually, a lot of the evidence suggests that what quotas do is just weed out men who aren't performing well enough and shouldn't be there. So there's a lot of work to be done across the board, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure uh, what all the factors are. How dare you? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I think this is such a complex topic and, you know, I, I talk about it a lot, obviously, in my role um, as an advocate for women in STEM. But as you said, there needs to be more done at all levels, you know, from children all the way up until senior roles. And I know so many women will battle their way through STEM careers all the way up until they're at senior roles. And then they do drop out when it becomes, you know, when they get to that senior to uh, mid to senior level. And, you know, the more support we can give, I think there's so much work being done at school level now, which is amazing. There's more work being done at university level, even at graduate level at a lot of big tech um, and STEM companies. There's lots of support there. And what's missing is the support for those senior women, because there are so few senior women who are ahead of them. So, you know, just the more that we can bring forward role models like yourself, to the forefront and let people know yes it's it's totally possible for women to get to the top even with so few women at the top at the moment and the more we can kind of bring these role models out for people to see the easier it is going to be and more accessible for women it's going to be in the future yeah i think there is a lot to be said right and and you you hear it said as you can't be what you can't see and I once heard the current uh, president of Imperial College London, who is this amazing uh, chemical engineer called Anna Scass, and she spoke to us in this room surrounded by oil paintings of men. And it was this uh, group of early career researchers. And she pointed out the fact that there was no woman, even you know, on, in a single painting uh, in this very grand room in this old university. And she said, you know, you have a commitment to be visible and to show younger women that that you can be any color any size um, and that someone that looks like them has reached a particular position so yeah i think we have a commitment to do it and that's why i'm always happy to do things like this yes i've been so happy to get you on the show and even my previous guest uh kat wildman from the global equality collective you know she made a really good point that you can be a woman in STEM at 
any level and you are a role model for the person who's a level below you and it you don't have to be a VP you don't have to be a director or a partner to be a role model for other people because chances are if those really really senior women share about their experiences they haven't been in the shoes of someone 10 15 years below them for 10 or 15 years and they might not remember all the stuff that went on or maybe things have changed so I encourage anyone listening if you are in STEM even if you're studying STEM you can still be a role model for someone else so be visible in your own way whichever way that is even if it's like speaking to someone you know or like if you've got a niece or someone just be there for them and tell them about what you do absolutely and, and i'd also say you know people talk a lot about mentors mentors don't have to be um, people who are much more senior to you or in, in some interesting company that you are really interested in actually some of the best mentors can be peers or like I say people who are just that next career step above you because you can learn so much from what they're doing differently and actually teach them what you're doing that's great and i really believe in peer mentorship as a, a route to just help everyone progress definitely i even managed a couple of people more junior than me and i felt like they had so much to teach me as well so i think no matter where you are in your career you can teach people different things because everyone has a different experience in life absolutely thank you so much for sharing your really inspirational story i am going to start the finish the sentence round so i'm going to start a few sentences i'd love to know how you would end them so the first one is work should be fun i i really believe this work shouldn't feel like work yeah definitely totally agree with that that seems to be a very common answer for um the successful women i've had on this show so that seems to be the key to success one book that everyone should read is one that jumped to mind was principles by ray dalio because i'm i really like systems thinking so stepping back and thinking about the whole system uh, is something actually in in what we're trying to do with biology, right? Take a step back and view things as whole systems rather than what we've done with biology previously, zooming right in on the, the minutiae of certain processes or functions. Well, the same thing applies to your life or your business. How can you step back and make the whole system work to achieve a step change? And I think that book uh, explains that type of thinking really, really well. I think um, if you asked my CEO, my boss, he would say Homo Deus by Yuval Harari because it's a book that helps you think forward to plan the life you want, to think about what's going to happen next. But uh, yeah, in terms of one book, it's really hard. I Just know. keep reading, keep learning. That's what I'd say. Definitely. Principles by Ray Dalio. That's actually on my husband's uh, book wish list and he's been hinting at me to buy it for him as a gift. <laughs> Such a good one because you can just dip in and out. It's bullet point, point format. You know, you just anytime you need a bit of a reminder on how he's thinks about things from first principles, you can pick it up and drop in. I, I really found it, have found it really useful this year. Oh, I love that. I love dot points. <laughs> like, I think that's just how my brain works. And maybe that's just because, I don't know, my logical brain from learning how to engineer stuff works that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe me too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, the next one is the one thing I'd tell my younger self would be. Say yes even more. Take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. Also to relax and not worry so much. Yes. Like we said earlier, I didn't even know about half the things that I'm doing now. I didn't even know that the job I'm doing now was a job when I was younger. So how could I be worrying about creating a career that I didn't know anything about? Just spend some time learning, meeting people and relax. It will, it will happen. Definitely. And I know that a lot of my listeners are on their journey to figuring out what they want to do next in their career, or they're about to finish university and they're trying to forward plan the rest of their lives. Just, yeah, relax, take it step by step and say yes to stuff. I love that. And then the final sentence is, women in STEM should all know that. It's okay to be you. It's okay to be your authentic self. I think probably another thing I should tell my younger self is spend time kind of adapting and trying to fit in. Mm. When actually when you're just yourself and you play yourself authentically, people respond better to that anyway. So who you are is like great and just own it because you'll actually make more progress and be more effective that way. Definitely. And it's so much less tiring being yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That is amazing advice. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Is there anything that we haven't touched on today that you wanted to talk about? Um, No, I think it's been a great chat. Thank you, Tiff. I would say again, we are hiring and I would love to be hiring great, interesting women uh, into the team. So if there's anything that I spoke about today that people want to know more about or they think they might be a good fit for some of the roles that we have open please just visit hadian.com h-a-d-e-a-n and uh, get in touch great i will leave the link to your website in the show notes here what's the best way for people to contact you probably twitter or linkedin um, i'm just mimi kashani on both so it should be pretty easy to find perfect yes i will i will link to all of your social media um handles on the show notes here and I can't wait to continue following your journey in tech. Thank you. Thank you for the chat today. I absolutely loved talking to Mimi about her career journey and I think we often look at successful people like her and think wow they really had it all mapped out but You can hear from her own story that she just followed what she loved doing and that's how she got to where she was today. The title wasn't important. It was all about following her passion. And you can definitely hear when she speaks about her job, she is so incredibly passionate about it and she's been passionate about STEM ever since she was at school. Now, I definitely didn't pick this up because it felt so natural to speak to Mimi, but she mentioned after our call that she isn't a natural speaker and being on podcasts and doing talks isn't something that she feels like she's a natural at. So for her to come on to this podcast to share her story as a senior woman in STEM is something to be applauded. And she does it also to encourage all of you out there, whether you're natural speakers or not, whether you feel like you're senior enough to be a mentor or not, to still reach out to other women in STEM 
in whatever way you feel comfortable doing or uncomfortable doing so that you can share your story and so that we can all be more visible as role models to other women around us. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and share it on social media. Tag Mimi and I into the post. I have left all of Mimi's social media profile links in the show notes below. I always appreciate a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics that you want to learn about, please shoot me a message. I'm very active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So find me there. Let me know what you want to learn about or who you want to hear from, and I will make it happen. Subscribe to How to Be a Steminist so you don't miss out on any episodes released every Wednesday. And I can't wait to talk to you at the next episode. Until then, take care. Bye.